I know I say this every time, but this really has been the most wonderful podcast. I've just uh, finished talking with Dickin Bettinger. And Dickin is a, he, his whole career, he's been a, a clinical psychologist and, um, and he's worked in, in with, with, um, businesses, with, with schools, with prisons, with health service in all sorts of many, many different guises. And in 1986, he met Sydney Banks, who talked about a universal principle of, of, of understanding our human psychology as opposed to the 400 plus psychological theories that were were out there and and from this basis we talk about his his journey as a parent and as a grandparent and it's been a real joy um he he talks about um showing up and being present with warmth and common sense and he says he says just enjoy yourself and the moment that you're not if you can see it's thought generated it will bring you back to the present moment and then and this is the bit i love which i'm gonna have to steal but he says and then we can move from precarious parenting to precious parenting i hope you enjoy this one hi dickin hi marie it's great to see you and it's 9 30 in the morning with you yes it uh, is so where does that make you in the world uh, I'm an hour north of Seattle, right on the northwest coast of the United States. Ah, oh, my favorite part of the world really is, and up into British Columbia. Love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Ah, oh, so much. So, so paint a picture of 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 who you are and your work and 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 what you do, Dickin. I started. When I graduated from college, I started teaching high school students, and so many of them were coming to me. I was young. I looked younger than the students I was teaching. So many were coming to me to talk about their problems. I got interested in what I could learn to share with people that would help them have an easier time of things. So eventually I got my doctorate in education where they were where I was trained to be a psychologist uh, using the educational model mm. and I started working in schools with kids and their families and then I started working with anybody who was having difficulty so I had a wide range of clients, wide range. Mm. And then I started working for 16 years. I worked in companies and worked with multi, I worked with a multi-billion dollar company for 15 years. I was one of the lead trainers, uh, leadership trainers and executive coaching trainers. Um, but I always continued a private practice where I worked with people from a wide range and trained people who worked in prisons and in schools and I worked in hospitals and um, uh, all different settings because I found out people are all the same. We at times 
get caught up in our thinking in a way that works against us innocently. Uh -huh. And yet, when our head's clear, every human being I have ever met of any age, mm -hmm. when people's heads clear and people are minds are relaxed and quiet, you will see their well-being come to the surface. Mm. No exception. No. But very few people and very few kids and very few parents have been told, you and your kids have perfect well-being already, always. It just gets covered over by the thinking we get caught up in. Mm. And that was life-changing for me, both initially as a parent, uh, then as a psychologist, and then as a teacher, then as a, uh, someone who now travels around the world and does seminars in psychological well-being. Yeah, and I've been to your seminars and the the the. They're very moving, funny, and 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 so insightful. You 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 walk away having a sense of, um, oh yeah, I can I can see that differently. You know, I, I have the mm -hmm. option to see that differently. And and I and I love the fact that that throughout all your work in psychology, occupational or, or whatever, you were always a clinical psychologist through and through. Is that fair? You always wanted to work? I, I would say I was always a teacher through and through, and clinical okay. psychology was a way that I could teach people about psychological well-being. Yeah. And I found that that was the most direct and powerful way of helping anybody, no matter how much difficulty they were having. Yeah. And of course, yeah. and that's absolutely what you're doing now in a, yeah. Which, which, which I know for my own benefit. So, so in your bio, when you talk about um, that earlier stage in your life, you talk about meeting Sydney Banks and understanding about three principles. And I just wonder whether, and that's what I think you're referring to when you talk about um, our psychological understanding. Yeah. So, could you could you just chat for a bit about that experience of meeting? this man and what he was talking about and how that really affected you back then in what the 80s I think it was well it had a profound effect on me especially on initially especially on my parenting so I'll, I'll get to that in a minute but yeah, yeah, great. Uh, I had been a psychologist 10 years and at that point there were 450 different theories that explained why people felt and behaved the way they did. Mm. 450 different theories. Mm. Mm. There were no principles that were yeah. universally true. Mm. And I heard about a man who had had a profound, what some people would call it, enlightenment experience. But he talked about three fundamental forces that can explain all psychological functioning. He called these the fundamental principles 
that explain human experience and behavior. I was very curious about that because no one was talking about universal principles that could explain everything that humans experience. So I went to hear him talk, not expecting much. And this man named Sidney Banks, and he had been a welder in was from Scotland and left school at the end of ninth grade because his family was poor and he needed to work full time. And and he was saying, all human beings think, all human beings are aware, and all human beings have a mind. Mm. But the interesting thing is the power of thought that creates our thinking and feeling, the power of consciousness which allows us, allows human beings to be aware, and the power of the mind which is much greater than just the brain, it's our connection to a deeper intelligence. Mm. Well, very quickly, for example, he was saying every single moment of whatever we feel is created from whatever we're thinking in that moment. So if you had sad thoughts, you feel sad. If you have angry thoughts, you feel angry. And that the power of thought generates all of these thoughts that allow us to experience life. It's a gift. Without that, we'd be dead. We would have no experience. I couldn't love my grandkids the way I do right now. Mm. So I started to realize I hadn't met anybody that if you ask them, what are you feeling? And we're going to have all kinds of feelings. We all do. But the interesting question is, where do you think your feelings come from? <laughs> yeah. I, I've asked that to tens of thousands of people all over the world. Nobody says, well, that's obvious. It's what we're thinking because we haven't been taught that thought, thought is the sole source of what we're feeling. So we don't know that when we feel stress, it's not coming from our situations. It's coming from having stressful thoughts. Yeah. When we're upset, it's not coming from what other people say or do. It's coming from how we think about what they say or do. Mm. If we're happy, it's coming because we're having happy thoughts at that moment. So to discover that, how it, here I'd been a psychologist and no one had ever said, no one, 100% of your feelings are created from thought. No. And, and you know, when I first um, came across this understanding, my initial thoughts were two thoughts. One was, it can't be that simple. No. And and you the other imagine one imagine how I felt. I had four hundred and fifty theories that were competing with <laughs> oh, oh yeah. This is how it works. <laughs> right, right. And 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 the other thing uh, that really hung around for me, it's like if, if we hear somebody say it's not what that person said, it's 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 our interpretation of that. It kind of felt to me that we were letting everybody off, like bullies and nasty people and things, that we were letting them off. So how did you see how did you see through that? Well, it's the opposite from it's it's actually the opposite of that. It's it's if 
I begin to realize that my tension or my stress or my upset is created by thought, then instead of spending enormous amount of time thinking about something in a way that makes me feel horrible, I start letting go of the thoughts that make me feel that way. Mm. Is there a downside to becoming more fully present instead of caught up in thoughts that burden you? Is there a downside to setting down thoughts that weigh heavily on us that create anxiety, depression, anger, hurt, upset? Do we become more victims as we become more fully present? And when we become fully present, see, the three principles, you, you realize thought, you drop into being more fully present, awake, and aware, mm. pure consciousness, the second principle, mm. that we, we have consciousnesses at our core all the time. Mm. And so we become more conscious, more awake, more aware. And then rather than being passive victims, we access a deeper intelligence that helps us deal with the bullies and the, and the horrible things and the injustice. So the opposite happens. Yeah. This is why they say in case of emergency, it's on every mug in England, in case of emergency, stay calm. Yeah. Because yeah. when we're calm, we're wiser. Mm. We do better. We respond to difficulties and challenges better. Mm. So we're not avoiding things. We're getting the thinking out of the way that obscures our mm. wisdom, our spontaneous, intuitive knowing on what's best to do and how best to deal with something. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, the, the, the biggest um, shift in how I saw my world uh, through this understanding, was realizing that I didn't have to take other people's stuff personally. I'd spent my life taking other people's stuff to heart. It was my fault. I'd mm -hmm. done something wrong. And I now just see other people are just caught in their own stuff. And it's yeah. actually not anything to do with me. It's not personal. Yeah, that's a so massive You begin problem. to see the innocence of it because... People get caught in their own thinking a lot and suffer, and they don't know that that's why they're suffering. Yeah. And yeah. so it allows us to not take it so personally, which means allows us not to have so much negative thinking that's going to weigh heavily on us. Yeah. We become more, more understanding as mm. opposed to more embittered. Yeah. Right? We become freer more awake, more aware, rather than caught up in thinking about the other person and why are they doing this and what, is, what does this mean and how am I going to deal with this? We become present and then there's a deeper intuitive knowing on how to respond. Yeah. In a simple way, they talk about people go from their head to their heart and we yeah. do better when we parent, for example, from our heart. That was one of the first things I learned. Yeah, well, I want to ask you about that. So um, 
when you when you uh, first heard about the three principles, I I think you just said that you were already a parent. Is that right? Nineteen eighty six. Oh yes. Oh yes. My when I started learning about this, my daughter was almost fourteen. My son was almost nine. So, so what did you notice in yourself then, as a parent and and your wife? You know, did you did you notice anything that you saw that 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 fell away, that changed? What what might your children have noticed as you grew in in this yeah. psychological understanding? Well, it used to be in parenting, I'd be around, I'd be around my kids and going about my day and then I'd see them doing something that I didn't think they should be doing and I'd start thinking about it in a way that I got more and more annoyed, bothered, frustrated, upset. Mm. And then I would parent from that feeling. Mm. It's a little bit like if you have a cold and you know you're going to sneeze, Parenting from that feeling is like running up to your kids and sneezing on them. Rarely if you bring negativity to a child and yell at them or get upset with them, do they go, oh, thank you. That's so helpful. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I, I, think I'll, I think I'll change and be different. That, that helps. And that innocently we start training them how to be that way. And I had an insight as I listened to the Sid Banks, I, I had an insight. If I'm going to have all kinds of feelings because I have all kinds of thinking, at least I can be responsible for what feeling I bring to my kids because mm. it's coming from me. It's not They're not making me upset. I'm having upsetting thoughts. Now what do I do? I can act from my upset all the time as a parent. Or I can wait two minutes, let my head clear, settle down a little bit, and what comes out of my mouth is different. Oh. Do, you, do you know all this research says, even if you're enraged, if you wait six seconds and oh. don't keep thinking about it, oh. you'll it almost completely disappears. Yeah. And I'm going, oh my God, if I on a regular basis, parent from good feeling and stop dumping my upset on my kids. Mm. I can be a good parent overnight. Mm. And I won't parent the way I was parented that I didn't like. Mm. Right? Because innocently, my parents had no clue that their stress, they thought it was caused by the kids running around. They didn't know it was created from their thinking. Mm. Right? They didn't know that. They didn't. They hadn't learned that. It wasn't their fault. Mm. You know, that's my mission in life now is to spread this around the world so that people start realizing we think. We can be aware of the fact that we think. We can be aware of the fact that it comes from a source mm. other than the world that we can be aware that we're connected to a deeper intelligence and that when when here here's what i learned two things i i learned that my feelings are coming from thoughts so i'm going oh if i feel this way i don't want to keep thinking this way and if i get come back to the present moment 
it'll pass. And it always does and it always has. Mm. I go, wow, okay. That allowed me to take responsibility for my state of mind rather than feel victimized by my kids or by the world. Mm. So that was one thing I learned. And the second thing I learned is when my mind quieted down from upset thinking, I always felt better. And when I felt better, I had all the common sense I needed to be a good parent. Mm. It After learning those two things deeper and deeper and deeper and seeing more and more the truth of those, that's all I wanted my kids to learn. Now mm. that's all I want my clients to learn. Now that's all I want anybody in the world to learn. We're thinking up our feelings. And when you realize that, you begin to do a lot less of the thinking that keeps you upset or stressed or anxious. Mm. And when you begin to realize, if I'm having difficulty or problem, I need to quiet down rather than get all worked up, uptight. I need to quiet down because if I quiet down, I'll have all the common sense I need. Mm. My kids started picking up on that and they, they changed and they started being more resilient means they learned about thoughts so that they could let go of it and get over things quicker. They became very resilient, which is a hallmark of well-being. When people are resilient, they have beautiful lives. When people get upset and keep thinking into it, which most of us do, keep thinking into it, keep mm -hmm. thinking, more thinking, more thinking, more thinking. Well, you can watch any adult who gets upset. What do they do? More thinking. Mm -hmm. With this understanding, you get upset, you do less thinking, you become more present. And when you become more present, you feel better. When you feel better, you, you have more common sense. Mm -hmm. And this is what's so beautiful because and and here's the simplicity which you explain so well and in your book which we're going to talk about in a minute but it, it not but sometimes people say but how do i control my thinking how do i stop how do i you don't have to I, and i guess a, yeah the how yeah, do yeah. i is the question isn't it so talk talk to that how do i question yeah good I don't control my thinking. I understand where it's coming from. So mm -hmm. if I know, if I'm upset and know it's coming from thought, I'm not blaming my wife for what I'm feeling. I'm not blaming my kids for what I'm feeling. I'm not blaming the weather. I'm not blaming the traffic. I'm not blaming. Mm -hmm. The end of blame is the birth of well-being. Mm -hmm. You're not you're not feeling victimized and you're not blaming. Mm. I tell you, it's completely different. You're not controlling, you're just understanding. Mm. And with understanding, when I'm upset, I know if I leave it alone, I don't have to control my thinking. It's built to keep moving and will pass. Mm. If I think into it, I can keep it alive for long periods of time. Trust me, I got good at that. Oh. Right? Me too. I, you know, somebody said to me years ago when I was in my 20s, they said, what if you stopped analyzing it? And I really thought that analyzing it was me being responsible yeah. by picking it and picking it and picking it. I thought I was doing a good job for, for a couple of decades, actually. Yeah. 
That's why we teach the principle of mind. <laughs> yeah. That we're connected to a deeper intelligence and that when we stop thinking and analyzing, we don't become dumb, we become wiser. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We do better in business and parenting in our lives when people are present and feel good they do well at whatever they're doing mm. why is that because there's a deeper intelligence mm. that allows us to have all the common sense we need to deal with any difficulty or any problem Here, here's an example before I learned these principles, I'd walk in the house, I'd see my son's stuff all over the floor, and I'd get upset, and I'd go, Ben, you hear my tone of voice? He's in the other room, and he hears me going, Ben, he knows I'm angry at him. Hmm. Already he's he's getting defensive or frightened or 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 ready to you know, argue back or, or, or put on the, the stone face just from hearing my tone of voice. Yeah. And I'd yell at him, well, how many times do I have to tell you to pick up your stuff? And Okay, I learned these principles and I start taking responsibility for my experience. Mm. I walk in the house, I get upset. <laughs> same same thing I get oh no god and then I go oh okay I need to talk to him about this mm. and it's going to be a much better talk if I talk when I'm calm mm. and present mm. and have common sense mm. it's worth waiting in this case two minutes yes it's worth waiting two minutes as a completely different parent walks yeah. into the room with the kid to talk to him about this. So here I, I wait two minutes, I get over it, and I go, okay. Now, I didn't get this out of any parenting manual, let me tell you. This is common sense. I've done courses for parents, common sense parenting, right? So I walk into the kitchen. And common sense is what occurs to you when your mind is free and clear. Mm. It's in the moment. You can't get this from a book. You can't get it from anybody else. It's your mm. common sense. What would occur to you would be different than what occurred to me, but it would come out of that deeper, quiet feeling. Mm. So I walked in the kitchen. I go, hey, Ben, how is soccer today? Because I want him to be in a good mood when we have this talk. I don't want him to be defensive and argumentative and or stone-faced. And we talk until he's in a great state. And then I say, hey, hey, Ben, you know, I came in, I came in the front door today and your stuff was all over the floor again. I, I, I've been thinking I, I've talked with you about 300 times about this. Mm. Now, do you hear my feeling? I'm not yelling. I'm curious. Mm. What's going on? I'm mm. curious. Mm. He picks up on that. He goes, Dad, your counter must be broken. It's three it was three hundred and twelve times, Dad. You better you better get your counter fixed. Mm. We're laughing. Yeah. This is not how I was parented. We're mm. laughing. Mm. 
And then I go, and this is what occurred to me, common sense. I had never said this before. I said, Ben, I give up. I've tried everything I can think of to help you cooperate and help keep things picked up in the house. Nothing seems to work. Do you have any idea? See, I'm, he's in a good state. Why not ask him what his common sense is? And here's what he says. Dad, we have an old house. You come in the front door, the back door, there's no entranceway, there's no mudroom, there's no hooks to hang your stuff on. We don't have hooks, Dad. And I go, my God, you're right. I said, you're kidding me. Are you telling me that if, if, if we got hooks, this would end this battle? And he goes, yeah. I said, okay, would you come to the store with me and pick out the hooks? He goes, sure. We go to the store, pick out the hooks. We put them up in the hallway. Guess what? It was solved. Oh, it's such a we great never story. had to fight over this again. It was like, it was just common sense. It was two human beings getting together going, I'm not sure what makes sense, what makes sense to you. Well, here's what makes sense to me. Does that make sense to you? And then going, oh, we're creative people. We can come up with solutions to problems if we're in a state of mind that allows us to access common sense. Yes. So we started solving every single problem that way. <laughs> every problem. Let's talk while we're in both in a good mood rather than one or both of us being in a low mood. And every relationship disaster is when two people are in a low mood thinking it's a good idea to share their opinions. <laughs> and and you, you often, you know, that common sense, you know, feeling that you're talking about, we often know that, don't we? So many times yeah. I've, I've embarked on a conversation really honestly knowing it's not the right time to do it, but I've done it anyway. Yeah. It's almost like the head chatter is louder than the whispering common sense. Yeah. You know, once people start realizing all we're up against is not our kids, but our own thinking. Mm. And that when we're present and not holding negative thought or thought that burdens us, don't even call it negative, just thoughts that create tension, stress, upset. If we're not holding that and we're present, mm. we show up differently. Mm. We're more kind. Mm. We're more to ourselves as much as anybody else. To ourselves, mm. to our kids, mm. to our spouses. Mm. And you asked me originally, what did what did you do that your kids started noticing? Well, after about my taking responsibility, so for like six months, I was determined to take responsibility for what feeling I brought to my kids, period. Mm. And parent from good feeling, not mm. from annoyance, bother, frustration, impatience, upset. Do you think our relationship got better or worse as I had there was I brought less of that upset to them and more presence and kindness to them? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the only way I know any relationship can improve 
Yeah. And yet we often innocently do the opposite. And we we start having low mood exchanges with our mm. kids uh, and with each other. Mm. And then it becomes difficult. And then we become more demanding and more judgmental and more urgent. And it's all innocent. And t I'll tell you, that happens in business. That happens in yeah. any relationship anywhere. And so yeah. we break the understanding breaks that cycle. Because all the while we're at that in that headspace that you're talking about, we're making so many assumptions as well, aren't we? Innocently assumptions yeah. about what other people are saying or doing or thinking or and they're invariably wrong. Invariably wrong. Well, that's what I found in my well, they're limited. They're they're limited when when our head clears of all assumptions and opinions and judgments, we don't become passive, we become creative. Mm. We don't become uh, pushovers, we become clearer and easier to be honest with people from a good feeling, which mm. is very different than being honest with them while we're upset. Absolutely. You get very different results very, very different results. So after six months, my kids noticed that I had changed dramatically. Mm. I was happier. I wasn't so preoccupied when I got home. I was more present more of the time. I was more lighthearted, more silly, more playful, more enjoying, bringing that kind of feeling to my kids on a regular basis. Our relationship were better and better and better. We literally stopped having fights and arguments in our family. My wife is going, oh my God, what have you learned? <laughs> You're a different person. Um, and then my kids got interested in what I had learned. Um, and then it was like, there's only two things. Um, Once you start seeing thought creates your feelings, everything starts changing, the blame starts ending, the responsibilities kicks in. Mm. You become resilient, you get over things really quickly. That happened to my daughter at 14. It used mm. to take days for her to get over her upset. And mm. then all of a sudden she's telling me, Dad, I can't even stay upset if I want to. I never am upset for more than 10 minutes. Here's a 14-year-old saying, I'm never upset for more than 10 minutes because I know if I leave my thinking alone, it'll pass. Mm. I get over it. And when I get over it, I know what to do. Yeah. Right? I'm going, oh, my yeah. gosh, Nina. Yeah. It's so powerful it, that what you've just said is so powerful. As you know, I work with young people, and, and when they when that penny drops, it's like, oh, I don't have to believe all this stuff anymore. It's like bingo. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Um, listen, Dickon, I wanted to to move on and talk about your book. Okay. Which which just leads on beautifully anyway th with the discussion that we're having. And um, uh, it's called Coming Home, Uncovering the Foundations of Psychological Well-Being. And, and you and Natasha Swerdloff, you know, co-authors. Co and... Um, and I just want to read a tiny bit of the back cover, if I may. Yeah. Uh, Coming Home is a beautifully written book, profound and practical, 
the authors, Dickon and Natasha, gently point the reader to their own wisdom, continually reminding us that everything we need to have a peaceful, happy, contented life resides within us all. And, and I really, that's what I got from this book. And, and I've, and I've actually noticed it's, it's been translated in about seven languages, has it? It's been nine languages and three nine. more, three more oh, around the way. <laughs> I was checking on Amazon. Uh, uh, yeah. it's i've given this book to lots of clients and um and i think it is a gift it's it's it i i describe it as a spiritual book um and i don't know if you want to talk to that but i just wondered um what moved you to actually put this in a book then i mean you've talked you've talked to that a lot but how did you get to that point the people in my lives that learned this and changed mm. to, first of all watching my kids make dramatic changes mm. they're incredibly resilient they're both married both have two kids both mm. been through all the challenges and hardships that parents go through or can go through and all the challenges that come up in life being incredibly resilient and having enormous trust in their own capacity to solve problems from common sense. Yeah. That's what I want for everybody. So seeing thousands of clients over the years learn the simplicity of these principles and transform slowly into people of understanding, who know I have perfect well-being inside of me at all times. It only gets covered over when I get caught up in my thinking. And my feelings then are friendly. They let me know when I'm caught up in my thinking. Thank God I feel tension, stress, or upset. It's letting me know I'm caught up in thought and inviting me to fall open so this deeper intelligence behind life can bring me new and fresh thinking. So you can say the deeper intelligence behind life, because it comes from the energy in life, the formless energy in life, that it's spiritual. But that's just a word. Yeah. You don't even have to use that word. It's just a word meaning we're connected to energy. Yeah. Everything in life is. We're living in a field of energy. All the physicists say this. Now, the quantum field is a field of energy and potential. And Sid Banks realized this field is full of potential, full of intelligence, full of awareness, full of creative possibility. Yeah. And that we're connected to that. And that when our minds get quiet, we become aligned with that energy in life and we become more creative, more awake, more aware, more alive, more responsive in a healthy way. Mm. Our well-being shines through. Mm. It's a beautiful you... way of looking at human beings. That's Absolutely. all. <laughs> and isn't that beautiful? Because, you know, as you were talking, I was reminded about... Um, nature you know mother earth whatever you want to call it and the infinite creativity and intelligence that is going on everywhere we look and we are as humans we're, we're nature we're, we're we're not superior yes. to it 
We are yeah. it. The same energy and forces that create nature are the same energy and forces that create and operate human beings. Mm. Mm. That allow us, allow human beings universally, anywhere I go in the world, I can say you think, you're aware, you have a mind. No argument. Yeah. Why? Because they're universally true. You take away one of those, you don't have a human being, so they're essential. Mm. And yet, most people don't know how thought creates experience, so they suffer. Yeah. Most people haven't learned that beneath all that thinking you're caught up in is feelings of well-being and all the common sense you need to deal with any kind of problem, no matter how serious. And I've seen this. I've worked with people in prisons. I've worked with people in, that have spent their lives in mental institutions. I've worked with people who have been through traumas that would curl your hair if you had any. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh my God. And yet they're accessing their well-being and this deeper intelligence, this wisdom, this common sense and living beautiful, healthy lives. Mm. And, th and that's hopeful for any human being, no matter what you've been through, no matter what your personality, no matter what your parenting was like, you have everything you need to be a healthy person who lives on the basis of your own wisdom and common sense. That's a beautiful message. And I wanted to, as we sort of, as we start to wind our chat down, although I literally could talk to you for hours, um, I wanted to just really um, talk to you about being a grandparent because, you know, I follow you on Facebook and I just see these beautiful pictures that, that you post yeah. and the, the obvious joy that you, that you experience with your grandchildren. And I just was really interested in, in how you see your own children as parents now and and, and how you see your role as a grandparent within this understanding, or maybe that's but, uh, poorly a poor question, but I think you probably get what I mean. Well, I, I think our role, no matter who we are, what age, my role as a grandparent is the same as my role as a parent, same as my role as a husband. Why? Because these principles have brought it down to what's most fundamental. Mm. If you understand thought, you become fully present. If you understand consciousness, you are open to deeper feelings of well-being. If you understand mind, you're open to deeper knowing, intuitive knowing, common sense knowing. Mm. So as a grandparent, all I have to do is show up, be present, bring warmth and kindness to my kids, and use common sense. Mm. Right? And that's what I am seeing now. My kids, show they get upset, but if they know it's thought, they get over it quickly. They show up, become present, bring good feeling to their kids so they enjoy and have fun. And I watch my son, he just, he's got a two-year-old and a five-year-old. He's just having a ball. He shows up and brings nice feeling to him and he just, and he can be 
firm and direct and honest and he can be, but he's that way. He owns six restaurants. He's that way in his business. He's that way in his life. He's that way with the neighbor kids. They love being around him because he's, he, he's being with them fully present and in a good feeling and being direct and using common sense. It's beautiful. I want everybody to learn that we can be aware of thought and we can be aware of our connection to well-being and common sense. Yeah. And that as people catch on to that, which anybody can, honestly, anybody. I've taught four-year-olds. I've taught 94-year-olds. I've taught people all over the world in every culture, every religion, every background. And they all are the same. They all think. They all are aware and they all have a connection to a deeper intelligence. No yeah. exception. No, absolutely. It's so beautiful. And um, I mean, you've answered this next question a hundred times over, but is, as, as we wrap up, if you just had one message for anybody out there, parent, grandparent, you know, what would it be? Enjoy yourself. And the moment you're not enjoying yourself, if you know it has something to do with thought, when you realize that, why would I keep thinking this if it's keeping me feeling this way? It'll bring you back to the present moment. And then you can go on and enjoy yourself some more. So just enjoy yourself. And at some point when you feel tension, stress, and upset, go, thank you for reminding me I'm caught up in thought and it's time to get my ego out of the way and let this light of well-being shine through again. That'd be that'd be my simplest advice. Go have fun. Go go have fun until you're not. And when you're not, if you know it has something to do with thought, you'll be right back on track again. Yeah. And accessing your common sense. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Go and have fun. What a great, what a great end. <laughs> so so if anybody wanted to get hold of your book or or find out more about you. Or, or even reach out to you. Where would you direct them? And I'll and I'll put this in the show notes. The book is on Amazon. Any anywhere. Yeah. It's a here. It is. It's just a skinny little paperback. Yeah. Uh, that's a photo I took down on our beach that we use for the cover. That's my friend Natasha from Denmark, who I wrote the book with. And it's and I waited 20 years to write it so I could write it in a really simple, heartfelt way that would speak to everybody. And uh, it does I, it does that. I think uh, it does that. Yeah. Well, so the book's on Amazon. How else could is there any other way that anybody yeah. You know, I used to direct people to my website. I'm not really taking individual clients because I'm so involved on projects and boards and trainings mm. and seminars mm. that uh, I would direct people toward my YouTube channel. Mm. And I had a friend put together the – I've given talks for years on different subjects, but primarily – teaching the simplicity of this understanding. Mm. And so if you go to my YouTube channel and just pick out what sounds good to you, 
That sounds like a really great piece of advice. And what I'll do is I'll put the link to the YouTube channel in the show notes. I uh, think that would be a good way if people want to learn more about this. I really do. Yeah, I do. Or, or also, please, www.sidbanks.com. If you want to hear about the connection between the spiritual and the psychological from the man who was my teacher for 23 years, I was so fortunate. You know, he died about 10 years ago, but um, I, actually, I, it's like 12 years now. So 35 years ago, he, he became uh, a teacher, and he was the most humble, most down-to-earth, most ordinary man that had an impact on people all over the world. Mm. So I'll definitely include that. I'll definitely include that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Dickin, it's been my absolute pleasure. Uh, I was thrilled to meet you in London and I'm even more thrilled to chat with you now. And um, mm. thank you so much for coming on the well, podcast. Marie, you are, you're welcome. You're, you're a delight. And it's, I love what you're doing. And, and I love how you're trying to make, parents move from precarious parenting to precious parenting. Oh, I love that. Thanks for that. <laughs> Cheers, Dickin. That's how I see what you're doing, and I'm thrilled. Thank, thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Precarious Parenting by Realization Works. Subscribe to realizationworks.com to access more resources, including monthly blogs written to be shared with younger people.